Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome into Feeling Blue from the Block M Podcast Network. Cruising through July as we sit here on Wednesday, July 19th, headed into Thursday, July 20th. And we are six-ish weeks away from the start of the college football season. And as we know, the fodder starts to pick up a little bit here uh, as we cruise towards the end of July. Luke Yardy. Tyler Seeley, we got a fun one for you here this week. Tyler, what's going on? How you doing, man? Hey, not much, man. 45 days away from the start of the Michigan football season, and I think it's 38 days away from the start of week zero in the college football season. So we're getting real close, man. I'm excited. I know you're excited. Um, This is kind of the beginning of one of the last college football seasons that's going to look like the way that we remember it with, you know, Oklahoma and Texas and the big, uh, big 12. And then, you know, USC, UCLA and the PAC 12. So, um, you know, new college football playoff coming after this year, just a lot of different things. And, um, you know, it'll be nostalgic because we'll remember this season, hopefully forever, whether it's a Michigan national championship or, you know, um, really kind of just the end of, 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 of what we've been used to in the beginning mm-hmm. of something new, which would, whatever that's going to be. So. Yeah, it's going to be a fun season, man. Cause there's a, there's a ton of question marks. That That's the, that's the biggest thing is, is the kind of overbearing thing on, on this year. And uh, good discussion to be had with uh, a, a prominent college football voice in his uh, comments that, that I think tie into it with, with the big question marks, but uh, we, we knew a lot uh, on who the best teams were going to be. We had a lot of returning stars uh, from last year. You know, the the national champs returned a ton last year. Ohio State obviously returned a ton on their offensive side of the ball with C.J. Stroud in that entire receiving group that that they had. And we thought we knew everything. Bryce Young was returning as, as well as the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. But now you look at the top teams and there's tons of question marks, uh, you know, with Alabama, new quarterback, with Ohio Ohio State, new quarterback, Georgia, replacing quite a bit, you know, obviously, and and also replacing a quarterback. So um, there's there's going to be question marks throughout this season, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, one thing, though, that that I do – actually, you know what? We're, we're going to start with that. Let, let's just do that. I don't want to transition back because there, there's a lot of question marks about teams around the country, uh, but that doesn't stop, you know, some people making comments and, you know, lumping – uh, the, the the people that you might expect in uh, with, with with the top teams in the country and what exactly I'm talking about here is that Paul Feinbaum, uh, he was asked uh, a question regarding at the, uh, you know, uh, while at the SEC media day, he was on ESPN's get up. He was asked which team in college football had the best chance to challenge a potential three-peat for the Georgia Bulldogs. And obviously for for those around, uh, you know, Michigan hanging around the sites and fans of the Wolverines, his answer kind of perks some ears because he said, quote, outside the SEC, 
I like Ohio State. There's still an issue about how the quarterback situation will land, but other than that, they probably have as much talent, if not more, than anyone in the country. And because quote, that got and, them so far last year. Yeah, and and of course, you know, this is it's actually you know one of those things that uh, I kind of laugh about because no matter what happens. At this point, it's going to take a lot, a lot to reverse what Ohio State did for for that decade leading up to 2021, right? Because it's it's hard to get people uh, outside of winning national championships because Georgia's been able to do that on their front, man. They could never get it past Alabama, but now that they've won back-to-back national championships, uh, everyone, rightfully so, looks at them as, as the top dog. But for in Michigan's case... Right. They could never beat Ohio State. They've beat them back to back, but it doesn't matter because uh, and to Ohio State's credit, they do have a ton of talent, but there's a ton of question marks losing both of your tackles who are all Big Ten performers, all American performers, you, you uh, two year Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback. And, and Michigan's return is Michigan is seventh in the country in returning production, got great transfers coming in. And and still, man, just it, it's it's Ohio State, Michigan, still not lumped in there, you know, outside of like Reese Davis. So, oh man, you know, as as much as we don't want to harp on what Paul Feinbaum says, we're sitting here on July nineteenth, and quite frankly, you know, it it gives us a little fodder uh, for the show. Yeah, and my curiosity is as as the relationship between the Big Ten and ESPN, um, you know, there isn't really one now. Um, how's that, how is that going to look on college game day? How is that going to look in terms of the people, the talking heads talking about college football? Are they going to just cover what they cover? Are they going to cover all of college football? Cause ESPN, as far as I've known in my entire life has always been a college football, you know, network, and they've always covered college football, the nation, not just what they cover. So we'll see where that goes in terms of Paul Feinbaum saying what he said, what an asshole. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I I hate to come out and say that bluntly, but it's like, what more does Michigan have to do other than win a national title than to shut up guys like Paul Paul Feinbaum and guys like that? Like, you even have guys like Joel Klatt who who talk about Michigan in a very positive way, even when they didn't have the opportunity or they didn't have the chance to beat Ohio State. They didn't. They they weren't talented enough to beat Ohio State. And honestly. Are they even more talented than Ohio State? Have they been the last two years? Maybe not, but you know what? The talent at Ohio State hasn't developed where the talent at Michigan has developed. And I shouldn't say it hasn't developed. It just hasn't gotten to the point where it can beat Michigan on a consistent basis again. Because Michigan, last time I checked, has won the last two games. Had just gotten to the college football playoff the last two years. I know Ohio State got there last year because USC couldn't couldn't tackle anyone worth a lick in that Pac-12 championship game. Um, but my my main point is is like what's going to happen when ESPN's no longer covering the Big Ten, which obviously is where we're at now. Obviously, they're still kind of talking about Ohio State, so I guess that's still. I guess kind of answers my question a little bit, but my point is, is like you can go back in the last, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years of college football. And if someone says, Oh, where's Ohio state? Oh, they're up there. Where's Alabama? Oh, they're up there. Where's, uh, where's Georgia? They're up there. Where's Florida? I know Florida's down right now, but, but it feels like those blue blood 
programs like that always get the benefit of the doubt. The Notre Dames, the Ohio States, the uh, Miami back in the day, not so much now, Nebraska, same thing. But it took a long time for Miami and Nebraska to fall off before they finally just said, you know what, screw it. Texas is another team that's always ranked in the top 25 for the most part. And if they're not ranked in the top 25, there's all these talking heads saying why they should be in the top 25. So my point is, is, is college football. It feels like when it comes to blue blood programs like that, the narrative doesn't change overnight. It doesn't change in two games. It takes maybe half a decade for it to change. Um, And maybe if Michigan were to beat Ohio state handedly at the big house in Ann Arbor, the narrative changes right then and there, because, you know, at that point it's like, okay, three significant wins over Ohio state, another trip to the big 10 championship, another trip to the college football playoff. And then, you know, at that point, then it's, can you win in the college football playoff? Cause if not, the narrative switches to Jim Harbaugh gets to the college football playoff and maybe that's the ceiling of the football program. So I don't know. Well, I, I think that's a, an important point too. Michigan hasn't done themselves any favors. I mean, we have a recency bias, right? At the end of the day, the the last two ways Michigan ended their seasons, I mean, they, they didn't do themselves any favors. They didn't belong on the same field almost as Georgia, you know, in the Orange Bowl back in, in 2021. Um, and last year, you know, as, as a touchdown favorite uh, against TCU, just – I mean, they, they pooped their pants at the end of the day, right? Like just made some some horrible mistakes. They haven't done themselves any favors, and I think that plays a part. Ohio State lost to Georgia, but, you know, Noah Ruggles, who was a, a pretty good kicker all year for them, just inexplicably missed a very makeable field goal that, you know, potentially wins Ohio State a national championship. So in the, the recency bias on that front was, man, everyone says, oh, if Ohio State, you know, makes that field goal, they're probably the national champs. Whereas, you know, people look at the the Michigan game, like even if they come back against TCU, are they going to beat Georgia? Like that's, that's how a lot of people kind of look at it. Right. And I hate whether narrative. it's fair, whether it's fair or not, that's, that's how people look at this. No, I hate the narrative that if Ohio state were to have made that kick, that automatically they're the national right. champions. TCU. They don't do to TCU what Georgia did, you know? No, no. No, TCU would have had a shot, a fighter's chance in that game. Would Ohio State have been maybe a 10, maybe a 14-point favorite in that game? Probably because, of again, the blue blood bias, the recency bias that, that we always talk about. So, okay, they beat Georgia. Yeah, automatically they're a 10, 12, 14-point favorite, whatever you want to say. And you know what? It didn't matter. TCU still took Michigan to the woodshed in that game. Michigan didn't do themselves any favors. They beat themselves. Let's be honest here. But you know what? TCU played as good of a game as they could to beat Michigan. And if they play a game like that against Ohio State, maybe they have a fighter's chance as well. My So my thing, I, I want to circle back to what Paul Feinbaum said here. Talking about they have as much talent, if not more, than anyone in the country. And, and I read that, and, and I think, right? Like, I know the stupid way-too-early mock drafts have Ohio State as having a bunch of first-rounders, but what is that really warranted? Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the second best p- football player in the country uh, to, to Caleb Williams. I, I will absolutely give him that. Uh, Ibuka's a, a, a good wide receiver as well. I'm not sold that he's just automatically going to be a first-round pick, to be quite honest with you. Um, it, but but think about what they lost, man. Like, like they lost 
C.J. Stroud, the number two pick in the NFL draft. Guy's been a Heisman finalist each of the last two years. They lost their two starting tackles and another starting offensive lineman. They lost Zach Harrison. They lost Jackson Smith and Jigba, even though he didn't really play last year. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of talent. Like, why, why are they one of the be- most talented teams in the country? Like, especially on the because defensive the side, number. I think. Like ex- exactly, like like Jack Sawyer was the number two or number three overall player in, in his class coming out of high school. Has he lived up anything close to that? Nope. No, not at all. I don't even think JT, outside of one great game against Penn State, has really been all that impressive. I think Tommy Eichenberg's a, a fantastic player, but I, I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's he's a, he's a linebacker. You know, like I, I mean, he's not a game breaker. You know what I'm saying? I I don't know. I everyone says that. Everyone's just like like this is not last year's Ohio State last year was unbel- an unbelievably talented football team and they still didn't win the Big 10. You know? Like they are losing so they are losing way more this year than they lost the the year prior. Like last year was supposed to be the year, remember? There was all that talk about Ohio State maybe being the greatest offense ever. And they didn't live up to that anywhere near anywhere near what those expectations were and yet here we are after losing so much on the offensive side like oh yeah they're they're easily you know probably the most talented team in the country like why uh, bs man no i i'm not buying that until i see it i don't i don't give a shit what the star numbers were or, you know what they're replacing with like experience helps a ton in college football and in ohio state's losing a bunch of that and Michigan's got a ton of it coming back. Right. And so that that's the thing. Like I said, the recency bias, the whole the whole blue blood, the fact that Michigan lost to Ohio State a bunch in a row. Um, you know, I don't even remember exactly how many it was in a row because that was such a wretched time to be a fan of Michigan football. Um, but you know, it it was what, eleven out of twelve or something like that, and then ten, eight in a row. Out of eight in a row, that's right. So, just the narrative—it's it, going to take a little bit for it to switch. I think if Michigan can win again, that changes. Um, as for the talent level, though, I mean, yeah, Ohio State's got some good players, but Michigan's got some damn good players too. And by the way, the team—I think Michigan's scared- one of the most talented teams in the country, man. I Legit- agree with you. And, and, and you know, they're—they're they're not going to get that recognition though, Tyler, because of their receivers at the end of the day, right? Like, especially when, when you think about how football is viewed, they're just, the, the receiving room is not, and, and quite honestly, it, it's probably one of Michigan, like it's solid, but it, it's probably a major, major weakness, you know, in, in overall playmakers, Um, unless we see, Maybe, you know, big things uh, coming up this year from a couple of the young guys that we haven't seen, like, like Tyler Morris or something like that. But it, it is. And, and and I get that as, as we look at, like, that's why people think Ohio State's going to be fun. great. doesn't matter who's throwing them the football, right? These guys are going to be open and they're going to be making plays. And that's going to be the case against a lot of teams. But Ohio State plays a pretty damn tough schedule here this year. Notre Dame's going to be much better. I'm a big Sam Hartman guy. I think they're going to be much better here this year. That's going to be a tough game. I believe that one is in South Bend. Uh, they've got Penn State. They've got Michigan on the road. Like it, It's not going to be a cakewalk for Ohio State, especially when you're breaking in a new quarterback that, quite honestly, no matter who it is, if it's McCord or if it's the, the other kid, the redshirt freshman who, who's a top-five guy, neither one of them guys looked all that great in the spring. So I, I don't think they're going to be setting the world on fire out the gate. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think when it's all said and done, Ohio State probably figures it out, and one of Devin yeah. Brown or Kyle McCord figures it out, and they become a very good quarterback. Does that mean they're going to be great? Does that mean they're going to be Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud? Probably not. Right. Um, and if, if they are, then that means Ohio State has a damn good chance to beat Michigan. Um, and, and Penn State, by the way, because no one's talking about this. Penn State is the game that scares me the most on the schedule this year. At Penn State, at Happy Valley, you you won the last game there, um, and you blew them out at the big house last year. They have a chip on their shoulder. Um, I don't know if James Franklin's on the hot seat, but I'll tell you what, this is probably his most talented roster he's had other than that Saquon Barkley year when they won the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. I think it was 2016. So... Even though they were they were probably more talented in 2017 and did not win the exactly. Big Ten that year, yeah. Yep. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, Ohio State very talented team, but I think Michigan's a damn good talented team. And also, not only that, Penn State's very talented, and Georgia is going to come back to the pack a little bit. I think people aren't talking about that enough. I, I also want to circle back to something you said, Tyler, about some of these blue blo- blue bloods and. I, you know, I don't know if USC is technically there uh, as a blue blood. Obviously, they had the the incredible run in the early uh, 2000s, had some success, obviously, uh, in the 90s and the 80s as well. I don't know, you know, where people fall on USC as a blue blood, but that's the other thing uh, is is about Feinbaum's comments. And I understand, you know, some of it might be for an effect, but to list them, to list USC against Georgia, like USC's not there. I'm sorry. I, I I think Lincoln Riley's a fantastic offensive mind. Caleb Williams is an unbelievable player. They're probably going to put up a bunch of points in the Pac-12. But no, that defense, oh my God. Trying to go up against that Georgia offensive line, it would be a bloodbath, man. It would, I, there's no way. USC cannot compete with Georgia. It's not going to happen here this year. Uh, even with Caleb Williams, even with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, as great as he is, he can't do it, man. That's that's a team, and I know he was hurt. I, I get it. He, he didn't, I, even though they, they put up some points. They lost a damn Tulane, you know? And, and I'm not going to uh, – look, it, it was a bowl game at the end of the day. I'm going to be consistent. I, I don't – you know, non-college football playoff, bowl games, what they are what they are, right? But, I mean, there's no way. There's no way. If you're not, if you're not beating Tulane, you're not beating Georgia, man. No, and, and to be honest with you, like – USC, I look at them as a blue as a blue blood. I my blue bloods blue bloods, there's eight. There's Ohio State, there's Notre Dame, there's Alabama, there's USC, there's Oklahoma, there's Michigan, there's Texas, and there's Nebraska. Those are the okay. blue bloods. I think outside of that, I mean, yeah, you have like the LSUs of the world and the schools like Florida that are right kind of on the cusp of that. But I think it, like an original six in hockey, there's a blue blood yeah, in college right. football, and those are the eight. So okay. That's my thoughts on that. I like it. No, it's, I think that's a good list. And like you mentioned, there, there's pockets of greatness, like with LSU, Florida State, Florida, um, Miami, obviously. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, to, to your point, like historically, you know, from almost the right around the inception of college football uh, through today. You know, I, I think you uh, th- there's a case. I, I do like that list. So, yeah, I, I suppose we could group USC in there uh, with that. Yeah, but I, I mean, you could you could like I said, you could put LSU there because they they seem to right. be pretty good every year. And then they have that once every four or five years where they win a national title or every 
what, eight years or so where they win a national title. Uh, they get to the national title pretty frequently. So I, I, I'd have to, I'd also have to go and uh, take a, take a look again. But I thought I remember uh, seeing in terms of LSU, uh, Bomani Jones, I believe mentioned this, that they didn't really, um, they didn't have, they weren't that great uh, until post segregation. And so that, that probably, that probably kicks you out of the, the blue blood thing a little bit, uh, you know, when, when, when you were, you know, if you weren't, if you were doing what you were doing and, and, and trying to, to keep your school segregated and things like that, you know, it, it's hard to going back to, you know, they started playing in 1902 and they did not have a, a lot of great success uh, outside of one year in 1908, uh, probably in, until the seventies, you, you take a look at the seventies and that's when all of a sudden those, those rankings uh, start to, to pile up a little bit, you know? Yeah, um, I, I I agree with you. Um, you know, Texas is one some people kind of debate because they haven't been good in a yeah. while. Nebraska is the same thing. But I mean, when you talk about the the cream of the crop in college football, not just right now, but like you know, together number one in the AP polls, Heisman Trophy winners, players sent to the NFL. Those those are the cream of the crop. I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, but going back to what you said just quickly about Caleb Williams and USC having a fighter's chance against Georgia, I mean, if you can't tackle Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, yeah, what makes you think you're going to be able to to tackle Kenny McIntosh and some of these great receivers at Georgia? I, I'm sorry, it's Brock just, Bowers going crazy. Brock Bowers going <laughs> crazy. That offensive line with the push. There's, there's absolutely no way. It, you know what? I'll tell you what. It would look a lot like it did in the national title game um, between Georgia and TCU. I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. Maybe USC puts up more points because Caleb Williams and and great receivers and stuff like that. But in terms of on on the other side of the football, I don't think USC is even close to to being able to stop Georgia. Yeah. I I think you bring up a good point with Georgia too though, man. They they lost a ton and I'm not saying they shouldn't be the the favorite or or anything like that, but we'll we'll have to see if they're going to be as dominant as they have the last couple of years. And and quite honestly, even last year, you know, uh had a had a scary game against Mizzou, uh was within, you know, I was going to say inches, but it's more like yards of uh, losing to Ohio State in the college football playoff, you know. But, I I mean, I I don't think that they're going to be unbeatable here this year. I think, you know, and Paul Feinbaum, he mentioned Alabama, that they've got a lot of question marks, right? Losing Bryce Young. I think he masked a lot lot more issues last year, particularly with that offensive line, than people realize. Uh, they're going to need a lot of magic. The receivers in Alabama, which is is crazy to think, but they haven't really been up to par since, you know, I mean, a couple of years ago, obviously with Jalen Waddle, Jamison Williams and those guys, they're fantastic, but Bonte you know, Smith. yeah. And, and, but like last year, you know, it's, I, I don't know, man, the, the receivers, some question marks, that's for sure. The, the, the receiving, uh, was was your you, you know now Detroit Lion Jameer Gibbs that was the guy that they went yeah. to when they needed a first right. down or or they needed I mean he could catch the ball out of the backfield so and and to circle all of this back I think Michigan's in as good of a spot as they've been in since I mean preseason wise 
maybe in my lifetime to, to yep. be competing for a national championship, because I don't think a lot of people even expected them to back in 1997. Um, so I think, you know, right now, when you look at it, what they have returning, how much talent that Michigan has across the board at various positions, how deep they are. I mean, you know, Paul Feinbaum doesn't have to mention him. I don't really, you know, care. I like to talk about it because it's fun. But man, uh, this is this is as good a chance as Michigan has, has had probably, you know, since 1997, you know, in, in my book to to take home a national championship. Yeah, and I just remember, um, you know, after that 2018 Ohio State game, listening to you guys and Chris and those guys, just like, where do we go now? Yeah. <laughs> Going into Columbus, we're, we're, you know, in the top five. We're the favorite going into the game. Uh, was yeah. it a seven point favorite or a three point favorite? Whatever it was. Yeah, and I think, I think abs- there were three, three or three and a half point favorites going into Columbus. Think about that. Think about that. They like weren't even, even last year going into Columbus last year. They so, were a touchdown underdog. They got molly whopped in that game, that 2018 <laughs> game. And I just remember sitting at my, at my chair. Actually, no, I was out watching that game. I remember just being out and I'm just like, where, where do we go from here? Oh my, I've never, I don't know if I've ever been more dejected. As, uh, as, you know, maybe maybe during the, the Hulk eras, maybe Michigan losing to Minnesota under Brady Hulk, the Shane so, Morris game. Maybe maybe I was more dejected after that game. Toledo. But God, yeah, I, I at least at least Toledo. That was year one of Rich Rod, right? Like that was, yeah, it was. so it was like, OK, we got to give this guy time to figure it out. That was at the end of the Hulk era, um, you know, and I I was unbelievably dejected after that game. But. The 2018 Ohio State game, man, I I almost had like a sense of apathy, like it's never going to happen. I'm, I I literally may have thought that Michigan was never going to beat Ohio State again in my lifetime. I was in the same same category, but I do remember a older person I knew um, that was a Michigan fan and just remembered like the 90s and, and you know, Michigan beating Ohio State cons- more consistently and how the rivalry can tend to switch. And I'm yeah. like, all right, great. So when's the switch going to happen? And then COVID happened <laughs> and kind of everything all went to hell. Michigan doesn't play that game against Ohio state. And then, you know, the games in your place in 2021 and we kind of have a magical season and, and kind of here we are, you know, as they did it again last year. So I didn't think it was going to happen ever, although I, I thought, okay, well, let's be realistic. It's I hopefully live 50, 60 more years of my life. I'd like to see it once or twice. <laughs> I've seen it twice, so I guess I guess we're in a good shape here. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was as dejected as I've ever been as a Michigan fan because 2016 was like, all right, this is the second year under Jim Harbaugh. We're in the college football playoff conversation. If we didn't lose that game to Iowa, the Ohio State game really didn't mean that much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there we were (laughs) with the spot and everything. So that that was frustrating, obviously. But the 2018 game was just like, here we go again. It was felt like a low point. That's for certain. And then 2019 didn't help, you know, even though we, we were talking obviously about Josh Gaddis coming in and revamping the offense, getting a, cause that's what we thought. That's what we thought that Michigan needed to do. Right. Because of what Ohio state was able to do with them. Goddamn crossing routes with, with Dwayne Haskins that year. But I mean, at the end of the day, Michigan, look how Michigan has won the last two years. What Jim Harbaugh set out to do 
when uh, uh, in, in 2015 when he took over, play some bully ball. Uh, and that's exactly what they've done. Uh, one quick thing before we wrap up here, though, uh, could be a different experience for many uh, at the big house here this year. We're, we're going to wait to see if there are more details on it. I'm not talking about the new scoreboards, uh, but uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed into law, uh, I believe that today, this morning or, or yesterday, I'm not 100 percent sure, today. Um, uh, the uh, the law that will allow public universities across the state to sell alcohol at their sporting events inside the stadiums. Now, obviously uh, it's going to come down to whether Michigan wants to do that at the big house or not, but um, it should be a a little bit interesting. I don't, you know, people are worried about it. Uh, I know a lot of people are, you know what I'm saying? You know, they're worried about the, everyone being too drunk and whatnot. Like, first of all, have you ever waited at a concession stand at the big house? Like you're maybe getting two beers in throughout the entire game. And at the end of the day, man, those are, those are maintenance beers by the time you get into the stadium. So you're not coming down and crashing after the tailgate uh, at the end of the day, I would love to see it. I, I would love to be able to to have one, bring it to my seat, similar to, to going to, to pro football games or anything like that. I think it'd be a, a great idea. Curious on what your thoughts are, Tyler. Yeah, I, I don't I mean we're in 2023. This is like the players on the field are getting paid. Um, you know, this isn't amateurism bullshit anymore. This isn't uh anything like that. So the 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 spin that they used to give was oh, these players are some of them aren't old enough to drink. And so why would they be in that kind of environment? But they've been in that kind of environment anyways, if you know anything with tailgating and with everything else like that. So to me, it never made sense. The narrative never really made sense. And now that amateurism is slowly but surely dying out, um, dying a slow death, but painfully at this point, um, I think that I don't see why you wouldn't have alcohol sales. And for the people that say that, that all, oh, well, people are too drunk. Have you been to the big house before? Yeah. <laughs> the, the part of the reason why Michigan has beaten Ohio state and, and has really kind of up the ante the last couple of years is this in stadium atmosphere. It's been louder. The big house used to be the quietest 100,000 people altogether. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean there was, there were some games where I've gone to where it's like, are we at a football game? You got people telling you to sit down and, you know, after COVID and stuff like that, it feels like it's kind of changed. Maybe people are more excited to be there. Um, you know, obviously beating Ohio state the last two years is certainly going to help that atmosphere, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the alcohol has nothing to do with it. People are loaded by the time they get into the stadium anyways. And those are maintenance beers. You're getting one, maybe two, beers maybe if you get two at a time you'll get three um but yeah i mean the lines the big house are are ridiculous so you're you're not gonna get a whole ton yeah exactly so i don't i don't think it's a big issue i think it'd be a great addition uh to the stadium and to the experience uh alcohol sales new scoreboards that might keep some more noise in who knows we might be getting a big or a, a pretty loud big house this fall we'll have to see but we're certainly getting closer uh to that day when michigan takes on east Car- uh, east carolina tyler before we go where can we find you on social media man so yeah, you can follow me on social media at seal dog 91 
And you can follow me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Also, please subscribe, rate, leave a review uh, for all of our shows from the Block M Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. We, we got some great shows. Out of the Blue is fantastic. Future Blue, uh, which Tyler does with uh, Von Lozon, uh, talking about Michigan recruiting. Some great shows for you. Each and every week, subscribe, rate, leave a review. Let us know what you think and maybe some things you you would like to hear uh, moving forward. So that's going to wrap it up for us here on this week's edition of Feeling Blue for my partner, Tyler Seeley. I'm Luke Yardy, and we'll see you next week.